podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello and welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast. It's your boy Dan Coons on Host and Duty today, and I'm joined by my good friend Sean and German Deezy. How you man doing? What's good? What's good? What's good? What's happening, man? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all good in the hood, man. All good in the hood over here um thank you listeners for tuning in you know we love and appreciate all of you guys we wouldn't be here without you and um you know arsenal sitting pretty at the top of the league at the moment five points clear um after a three nil win over fulham away from home and so life is life is pretty good man life is pretty good just watch the champions league just seeing liverpool get themselves slapped up at the, the bernabeu one nil loss over there so you know even more packs to smoke on at present so you know let's get straight into it man three nil win over fulham um you know we were discussing this last week about how we we, we thought this game might go Sean and lewis dissected the the instant reaction on the patreon for you guys um so you, even if you haven't heard the um live and direct i guess um takes from from the immediate aftermath of that game you can check it out on the patreon sign up for as little as three pounds a month but um here we get the, the chance to be maybe a little bit more tactical a little bit less emotional um following the game and really really get into the nitty-gritty nitty-gritty of it so let's do let's do just that man so i think we got some good news um with the lineup at the start of the game right so um you know, there was a lot of talk after the sporting match where uh, we saw Martinelli play up top, Nelson and Saka flank him on either side that, you know, he might have to do something very similar against Fulham, um, who were missing a couple of players themselves, uh, Willian and, and Polinho. But we thought it was going to be, um, well, I didn't think it was going to be a tough match. I think, Sean, you thought it was going to be a bit of a tough match um, following this Thursday game and following some of our injuries. But, you know, when you saw Trossard, uh, in the starting lineup and Jesus on the bench. How did your feelings change? Yeah, no, I still thought it was going to be a tough game, but I just felt more confident um, just for the pure fact of, you know, we had options, you know, and I was a bit worried that, you know, we had guys like Saka, uh, Martinelli, who had 90 minutes in their legs away to Sporting on Thursday. And just based on the fact that, you know, we've seen sometimes how we've been after Europa games from a Thursday-Sunday schedule, Um so far this season but conversely again and Arteta said it you know numerous times we're going to be in the Champions League next season there's going to be no rest so we need to be getting ready to play like every three days um so obviously it's a tough balancing act so where we can rest people it'd be nice to rest them but um but yeah so so yeah so I was um so I was slightly apprehensive just because of you know Fulham had been all right this season but um I think all of that was was yeah shed man 
in that first half, the way we collapsed them in the first half, it was uh, the best 45 minutes of football we had played all season without a shadow of a doubt. Hmm. Yeah, fair. German, how, how, how about you? Like, What were your thoughts coming into the game? Um, and then, you know, how were you encouraged, if you were encouraged, um, by, by the lineup? Yeah, first of all, um, you know, Arteta confirmed something to the wider audience that I already knew. He's a he's an excellent liar. He's an excellent liar. And <laughs> lie without blinking. <laughs> um, because he really told them Trussard is not available, Jesus is not available, and Trussard what played 80 minutes, 70 minutes, and Jesus, you know, was was back was back into the swing of things as well. So um, you know, I felt you know, I kind of try to watch the Europa League games you know, isolated from our Premier League season. Um, and, you know, next season that's going to change for me in the Champions League because those games will matter a lot more to me than the Europa League games this year because I'm I'm watching them like, you know, I don't give a damn, man. Like, I wouldn't mind winning it, but, you know, my priority is the league. So I'm watching these games thinking they're not also indicative of our performance over the weekend. Like, I think we, we will get like a greater idea how the team is tracking form-wise when we're playing in the Champions League, then playing in the league. Whereas this year, I'm just looking at those games, I'm like, you know, the team has made sudden changes, I think, for the Europa League game. So I was I was still encouraged. Um, I watched Fulham. Who was it? I watched Fulham against Brentford. I remember watching them, I was thinking, these guys are not scared to play. And teams that are not scared to play and don't play in a deep block, uh, you know, that's cash money for us. Um, and this game showed it, you know, I think first 15 minutes, we were kind of filling them out. It was like, bro, are you guys really trying to press us, yeah? Mm. I, I, <laughs> bet. <laughs> so, anything that wants to play with us, man, you have to be very, 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 very good to do that. And if you're not, we will just beat you quite easily, which we did with Fulham. Um, you know, it was 3-0, it could have been 6-0, to be honest. Um, it was, it was, it was scintillating football that we played at times. Um, so yeah, watching that Brentford game in the week encouraged me to think that yeah, Fulham probably won't be sitting back and um, plays into our hands. Mm. Yeah, big facts, man, big facts. And I think you know that first fifteen minutes was quite interesting because I, I didn't really feel under pressure, but I thought, oh, is this going to be one of those games, one of those days where you know we're sort of just passing it side to side without really seeing much penetration? And I think um, I can't remember what move it was. I think it was the move for Martinelli's offside goal where I think he just sliced them, you know, got the ball from back to front quite quickly. Um, Martinelli makes that, you know, out to in run that he loves to do, uh, shoots across the keeper and then um, off Anthony Robinson for uh, a, a suspected own goal. Obviously, it was disallowed for offside. Uh, Martinelli narrowly um, offside there. And I think after that goal was disallowed, I was thinking, yeah, you know what? This, this, these, these lot are actually food for us um, because I just didn't really see where they were going to be able to to stop us. And I know Palina, um makes a big difference for them, and and he was a blow to them missing from this game. But I think looking at the underlying metrics, I think Fulham have conceded the most xG of any team in the league this year. So I was just, you know, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I was quietly confident coming into this game because. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, really and truly, if we play, you know, six, seven out of ten, we're going to get chances in this game. You know, and if we get chances, I really think that, um, you know, unless Leno has a absolute stormer, which he is capable of from a shot stopping perspective, um, you know, there's no way that these men are going to be able to keep us out. And I look at the other end 
and how we, we defended against Mitrovic at the Emirates. I don't actually think Mitrovic caused us you know, too many problems in terms of sights on goal. Um, I know he had a bit of a physical battle with, with Gabriel um, in that first game, but really and truly, if not for Gabriel's error, Fulham are not scoring in that match either. So, you know, I was pretty confident considering our away record as well this season, that this is just going to be another um, routine away win. And I think it was. So, you know, I think we can get into some you, of the... Perf- you know, quickly, uh, just on the, like, you know, the, you know, the beginning of the game, you know, sorry to cut off, but, you know, watching that game, and I've watched it back on Monday as well, like, and I'm a big Floyd Mayweather fan. So, you know, I watched all his fights. And, um, you know, the way we kind of played that game really reminded me of him because he would go into game and, you know, fights in the first two, three rounds, kind of fill out the opponent, you know, find his range, let the jab land a little bit. Then he would start connecting the overhand right, start connecting the check hook and like basically, you know, completely un, un, un you know, un, unfightable. And that's how we played that first half. So, yeah, that, that was just on my mind. That's why I wanted to quickly get off. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. Um... I don't know if you might watch Creed um, yeah, in the cinema, but boy, none of the fights there are like a Floyd Floyd Mayweather fight, man. That shit's a, car- <laughs> that shit's a cartoon, man. Very funny, man. Very funny to watch. But um, but yeah, so I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, let, yeah, we can talk about some of the individual performances, actually, because I, I do think there are a lot of, you know, good performances in this game. Um and I, I'll start with our with the man of the official man of the match, which was Trossard, who got the assist for all three three goals. He started uh, the game playing this false nine position that you know we, we've seen him do the past couple of starts that he's had for us. Um, and it seems to me that he has got a very very good relationship with um, not just Martinelli but the rest of the attackers as well. I think um, you know in the post match. Uh, they had him and Odegaard both both speaking, and Odegaard was making comments to alluding to, um, you know, he's always looking to combine with with Trossard. He's always looking to he's someone that you know when he gets the ball, he's always got his head up looking to to find players, and he's always you know sort of making these these movements and counter movements to to find space. And I think this is really really evident with the performances that we've had when he's played in the false nine. I think Martinelli. Is getting a benefit from it. Um, I think Saka, Odegaard, and even Jacker are all benefiting from you know the fact that he he likes to drop in, combine, create them overloads, move around the pitch, and not just be too stationary. And I think this was really exemplified by um, the second and the third goal that we scored, where you know we see him peel off to the left hand side, link up play with Xhaka, um, put some great balls in off his left foot, off his right foot for the corner as well. Um, and 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 really find people in the box. So you know, what do you make of Trossard's performance in this game? And you know, I guess how do you evaluate him as a, as a January signing as well? Because you know, this is someone who's playing currently. Like you know, he's been here all season, and I'm quite impressed with how little time it's taken him to really um, embed himself into the way that we're playing and 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 do um, multiple roles basically off the left and centrally um, in such a short space of time. Yeah, I think um, he's he's been good. He's been he's been really really good. I think he, as we can see, is much more suited to more of a central role rather than being wide. Um, obviously central, but he's got space to roam. And um, as we've seen, I think with since he's been in the team, um, 
you've seen how Martinelli's tally, goal tally has just gone through the roof again. So um, we, we speak about Martinelli needing to dovetail with someone. Um, Trossard is the type that you would classify as a player's player. So, you know, quick give and go, very much like a, you know, a Wenger player. He doesn't really play in a position. I'd say he just plays in an area. So, you know, he likes to come into the half spaces. He drops off, he spins around, uh, but he's able to combine. He's able to go long. Um, obviously, he's got a little burst over five, ten yards as well, where he can, you know, create separation as well. So I think he's done really, really well. Um, I think he's been a great signing. You know, you know, you talk about how do we evaluate it um, from a January perspective. This is this was Arteta's ninth Premier League signing. So um, I think that accounted for... 43, and I think he signed 21 players. So 43% of the players Arteta has signed have been Prem-based. Um, and I think there's a reason behind that. I think he values the quick acclimatisation. Um, he was also obviously the second guy we've tried to sign. We've second guy we have signed from Brighton. Um, obviously, we've tried to sign Caicedo. We've been linked with McAllister. I think there are probably links there in terms of style. There's a, you know, there's a few overlaps with the Zerbian Arteta in terms of style. So, um, probably helps in terms of the seamless transition as well. I think so. I just think a lot of the the stuff that he does technically, you can see that he's very comfortable, good on the ball in tight spaces. Um, whether it's the pass, the cross. Um, Arteta spoke about post-game that he just makes the right decision. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes in games he's spoken about how our final action, uh, final execution has been off in the final third. But one thing I've noticed um, with Trossard, you know, that's now five assists he has for us, you know, and he only joined in, in January as well. So one goal, five assists. He had the one, you know, harshly ruled out against Leicester, which was a really good strike as well. So what we can say is that there's a level of efficiency and high level of competency that he has in the final third, which I think um, suits us well. And obviously he um, dovetails with Martinelli well, similar to how Jesus did as well. So there's a level of efficiency and level of um, autonomy, you know, that he can bring maybe that we don't have sometimes when Eddie starts through the middle. So so it's good. Um, and that relationship is evident and long may it continue. Mm. Yeah, Dan, anything you want to add on, on Trossard? Yeah, um, I've 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 been liking what I've been seeing from Trussard. Um, obviously, this this the skills and the chemistry points that um Sean has made, um, are very valid. And then obviously the acclimatization period, um, stuff is, is why I thought the transfer window was actually good in hindsight. And I think I said it at the time as well. I wasn't I wasn't against Eugenio. I wasn't against Trussard. You know, who would we link with at the start? That window was obviously great um with Jao Felix and um Big and you know that that Casado as well you know those, those kind of signings are very fancy and um you can see the long-term sort of value that they may have and um ability that they may bring to the club but um Trossard and Virginia both um and Trossard even more so are players that can come in straight away you know make an impact um and he's shown that and I think one of his biggest assets is versatility like we, we needed him to come on in a couple of games and he came on on the left and Martinelli wasn't doing too well um, when he was a little bit out of form. He came on and contributed. I remember that City game, he played pretty well. Then the game where his goal got disallowed. I think I, I think there's been two or three cameo appearances where I thought, wow, this guy can give us something this towards the end of the season for sure. And then, you know, Eddie, Eddie then went for his period when he wasn't scoring, you know, um, 
and really we needed something else. Um, team started to figure out how we played with Eddie and that there is no connection between him and Martinelli. So um, what they did really well was, you know, they isolate Martinelli even more. Um, no connection with Eddie. Eddie rarely connects with Saka. So, you know, attack lacked connectivity. And then bringing Trossard in as the nine, you know, solved those issues because he brought connectivity and he brings connectivity whenever he plays, if it's on the wing or through the middle. And he brought it from both sides and, you know, even even more um, enhanced on the left side, really. Like, he's basically woken Martinelli back up because I think Martinelli is one of these players that I don't think he goes through bad patches of form, to be honest. I think he goes through patches of form where there, if there's not connect, enough connectivity or space for him to exploit, you know, his deficiencies become, um, you know, more obvious. And then people would question his, you know, his suitability. But if you bring, you know, the right players or the right environment for him, this player will thrive. He's pretty consistent. Um, same as Saka. And um, obviously Saka is probably, not probably, he's more special as a talent, but he's a pretty consistent player, Martin Lee. So when when you, when you we brought back the tool of connectivity through the middle and, and he could interchange with Chossard, his form picked up instantly, and he's you know deciding games with goals, with assists, with with his play, um, and so yeah, I think there's not you can't you can't there's no complaints for me from about this Trossard signing really, um, it's a real coup, um, and the fact that you know we got it done for around twenty million is good. I think he's at a good age where he can play, you know, two three seasons here probably as a utility versatility player, and then we can move on from him and up. You know, someone like West Ham will probably pick him up for, for a decent fee, to be honest. Yeah, and I think um, you make a really good point around sort of the Martinelli picking up immediately. Um, <clears throat> because for me, I didn't really see it as him being out of form, um, as, you know, what, what some other people are saying. I was saying that, you know, he's, he's not necessarily doing a lot of things wrong, I thought. But what we were necessarily asking him to do within the team and the players around him it's just not necessarily what you know we we what the best version of Martinelli is, right? I think the best version of Martinelli is someone who is able to get in the width of the box, get shots off, get crosses in, you know, get passes off in and around the box. Um, really, like the best Martinelli games are games where he has you know five shots, three chances created. Do you get what I mean? It's not when you know I know he does complete a lot of dribbles and that kind of thing, but it's not when he's out on the the far left. Hand, hand side, um, you know, hugging a touchline and passing it back to the, the left back and stuff like that, right? So so I think, you know, it was really important that we, we, we get our, I guess, best final third players closer together um, and getting them in the zones where they can be the most effective. And I think um, with, you know, sort of this Trossard introduction at false nine and hopefully what we'll see... Um, you know, in this sort of running period with Gabriel Jesus coming back, we're going to get that um, again, to be honest, because I think the performance against Fulham, uh, you know, Bournemouth, I know we went 2-0 down, but some of the football that we were playing um, in that match, uh, I think we were quite good going forward against Sporting. Um, the game against Everton, where obviously we crashed it 4-0 on, on their head tops, you know, it's some of the best football that we have been playing um, throughout the whole season. It's very similar to how we started the season where, you know, teams really couldn't live with the attacking movement that we had. Um, and, you know, I know people talk about the attacking patterns, but it's almost like when, you know, there is these rotations, the patterns is almost like off the cuff. It reminds you of, you know, like a, a Arsene Wenger team where, you know, there's just so much rotation, just so much movement 
that you don't really, you know, know as a defender which player you're supposed to be picking up. You know, whereas when we're seeing Martinelli um, hugging the, you know, the left left touchline, um, you know, it's easy to double up on him because the ball goes into him. Boom, the the right back's there. Maybe another centre mid. Um, maybe the 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 right winger is there to double up on him, and that's that's not where you get um, the best out of him, right? So Ash L has has put an interesting comment here. Um, on YouTube saying just can't see our team with a proper nine at the moment. Flo and Eddie just don't fit like Jesus and Trossard. It'd be good to get your thoughts on this, right? Because I know there's the similarities that have been made with, you know, Pep Guardiola, etc. And in the past sort of three, four seasons, you know, I know Aguero's um, been, been around um, and has gotten injured at times, but a lot of the time Pep has been playing with this, um, I guess, false nine. You know, we've seen Foden played up there. We've seen Sterling played up there. Um, and I know when Aguero plays up there, he's not necessarily like your traditional, traditional, you know, post-up striker. You know, he's got a bit of jinky. He likes to drop deep and link up as well. So, you know, we've seen this sort of positional play. And then obviously when you get, uh, you look at Liverpool as well, when they've been putting up 99 points, 97 points, um, et cetera, it's been, you know, Firmino or... Uh, Diogo Jota playing number nine as well. So, you know, where do you guys stand with this whole, you know, number nine out and out versus the false nine thing? Because I can't lie to you, the football that I'm seeing, we might have to bend this whole uh, number nine situation and just go strictly false nine. Uh, uh, it's it's a weird one because I, I think because just because something's working now doesn't mean that it's always going to work. I think teams evolve, teams adapt to what you do. So I think it's good to have a myriad of options. Personally, I totally get what you're saying in terms of I think the most fluid we look is when we have a bit of a roaming, false deep play nine, whatever you want to call it, who can drift, who can rotate. But at the same time, um, you know, Arteta came out today and said we're in phase three of the phase five plan. So phase five might include like a typical nine that might be able to, you know, so I, I, I don't want to just come out and say that we can never have like a, a fixed nine. I think, I think we can. It's just important that the fixed nine, in my opinion, can combine a bit. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to rule that out yet, man. So no. I, I, I wouldn't want to go that far. It's, it's very interesting, right? That whole, that, that point, right? Because I think, I personally, I don't want to be, like you said, Sean, I don't want to be stuck with one um, one option because if you look at the, the guys that we've been linked to and heavily have tried to buy, they are all very different profiles, right? So Mudrick is 100% not the same profile as Trossard, who is also not 100% the same profile as Jesus, who isn't the same as Vlavic, right? Um, or Rafinha, do you get what I mean? And these are guys who I think we've bid for and have been, you know, un unsuccessful in being able to bring them through the door, right? So, you know, if we got Vlavic um, back last January um, or two Januarys ago even, you know, I wonder what we'd be saying if that was highly successful. And I think it just shows how, I think, meticulous Arteta is, right, with if being able to ID the players that he has in his disposal and being able to deploy them all to the max of their abilities, right? And I think, you know, when you look and you look at other managers, um, I'm not going to, you know, sort of name drop, but it takes them a lot longer to kind of understand the guys that they have at their disposal 
um, to get the best out of them. And I think part of the Graham reason Potter. why... <laughs> I wouldn't even think I wouldn't even thinking about him, right? So you know, I'm yeah, looking I'm on, at I'm on, I'm on my Troy shit. I'm snitching on everybody, man. Because I'm because I'm, I'm I'm looking at you know potentially <laughs> someone like Klopp, right? And him him signing you know Darwin Nunes, playing them down the middle at times when you know from a scouting video, um, I think it's clear you know you couldn't play Nunes down the middle the way that Liverpool play, the way their strikers, the way they use their sort of strikers, you know, signing Gakpo, playing him off the left for, you know, four, f- three, four games before you're now deciding that he's a better fit for this false nine thing. Nunez going to be on the left wing. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's like, uh, you know, you look at Ten Hag, right? Sanctioning 100 M's for, for someone like Anthony to come play in your front line. Mm, boy, that's that's some, that's criminal for me. You know, that's, that's actually criminal behaviour. Um, and, you know, I look at it and I'm saying that, look, the, the Arteta, he brings in a, a guy with a completely different profile. He just makes it work. He gets them jugging. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, I, I do have to give him a lot of credit because, you know, I think if we do sign some of these first choice targets, our team would look quite different, you know. So that phase three stuff, it gasses me. I can't lie to you. It gasses me. It shows me that this guy is thinking about, you know, constantly thinking about improvements, constantly thinking about the next stage. You know, he's not satisfied. And one of the reasons that I also want to give him credit for is he's finding solutions within this season and we're watching it before our eyes, right? So, Dan, I think I, I remember we, we spoke on a podcast where um, I think it was the Aston Villa game where um, we saw, that, right, uh, I think the way that we were playing out from the back was notably different where we were asking Zinchenko to be the one to pick up from Ramsdale, Um you know, because teams have been doing this sort of this low block thing. Um, Zinchenko was coming to pick, almost inviting them to come and press us to give us more space in behind. We're seeing, um, you know, as we were trying to sort of develop this this patterns of play, um, we, I think we saw elements of you know Martinelli moving in off the left hand side um, before we even started to play with Trossard when Inketia was still there. And I think I'm I'm very I've been very impressed with the way that. You know, the next, the next game, we might see something new again, right? Which is another iteration of where this team might end up. So, you know, I think the, the manager is a very quick learner um, and we're seeing the team just pick up new packages, you know, from week to week. So I have to give them a lot of credit um, there as well. So I do want to move on to talk about midfield because I thought the way that we performed in this game was, it was just second to none. I know... I can't remember the name of the guy that they brought in um, to, to to come in instead of Palinia, Lukic or something like that. He had he's going to be having nightmares about this game, right? Because I feel like he couldn't get anywhere near us on the ball. I thought Party and Zinchenko in that sort of double pivot relationship that they have um, in that second line of build up play, superb. And I think it's the best in the in the division. You know, I can't think of a game where those two have been playing and we have not dominated midfield, you know, um, and not dominated the possession of the ball. And I think in the two of them, we probably have two of the most press-resistant midfielders in the entire division. And it's it's just causing us to just cook teams and cook them consistently, right? So looking at how do you guys feel when you see them two in the centre of the park, just jugging? Bro, it's, it's, it's a beautiful sight, man. And... 
you guys you guys must remember when I went um went on about packing. It's called packing data. You know, mm. the players that have the best packing data, like pe- best packing rate, are the players. And I have to put a big pause on this now. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> are the players that you know bypass um, opposition with passing with dribbling? You know, if you have a couple of those players in the final third, it can help a team. If you have a couple of pl- those players in the second third, it can help a team. If you have them in the first third, it can help a team. We have them in every single place on the pitch. You know, we have Zinchenko at left back, we have right at right back. We have both of the centre backs who are pretty good at you know evading pressure. Um, we have Party and Zinchenko playing in that midfield as well. I think Jack is probably the only plus player in, the, in this team who's not really press resistant, or he's very good off playing off his first touch. A lot of times he plays off one touch. Um, so you know, Zinchenko and Party in the middle of that park. You know, when when you're looking at packing there, receiving the ball, turning away from pressure, and what they have is a very high level of verticality. Because there's players out there that can do this getting away from, you know, the press. Like, Basuma can do that. Basuma can do all that stuff, you know. Receiving the ball under pressure, turning. But can he find a man, you know, further up the pitch, having to pass it through through the lines, bypassing, you know, two players that may be in the line of the pass. The pass has to be nicely weighted for someone to run onto, perhaps, as well. He doesn't have that passing quality. So, what Zinchenko and Partey both have is the ability to play under pressure, turn under pressure. They probably embrace playing under pressure because it makes their decisions sometimes easier rather than when something is static. So they embrace that sort of engagement. And they also have the ability to find people you know, with great regularity in the final third. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there is in the division right now, uh, you know, a, 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 a team that builds as well as us when they them to have the ball because City rely on Rodri in this in this phase and that they've lost Cancelo. When they had Cancelo, I'd say probably on par. Um, but losing Cancelo, they now have Ake doing some of the stuff that he's not as you know inventive as Zinchenko on the ball, not as inventive as Cancelo on the ball. Um and quite frankly I believe Party's better on the ball than Rodri as well. So I think we're superior in that aspect. Um where City are probably slightly more su- superior is they have more clinical forwards in terms of you know, their forwards are more surgical. Like, De Bruyne is a machine. I know Odegaard is a machine as well, but De Bruyne is a machine. Haaland is super clinical. I don't know about how... I know he scored a bunch of goals, but he's he's outperforming his XG, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those two in the middle, I think, it's one of the big reasons why we are where we are, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but 100% they are one of the reasons. And it's why we can dominate games. Like, the way we dominated that game, it was ridiculous, man. Our first half, it's a clinic. If you watch that back, you like, you 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 wouldn't you you you'd know that this team has to be somewhere at top of the league somewhere. Mm. <laughs> it's just too good. It's too mm. good. The football's too good. One hundred percent, man. I think there were so there were so many moves in that first half where you're just like, yeah, that is that is peak. You know, I Everything think um fast one two mm. touch. People I are think... moving as soon as they get the ball. As soon as the check got part to get the ball, everyone's moving. Bruv. And the thing is, I think it was the Martinelli goal, right, where Dates Fulham had us pushed into a one corner. Yeah, I think Saliba has a bit of a loose touch onto his left foot. And then, but then he's just, look, you know what, automatic left foot. And the thing is, <laughs> watching it, watching it on the, on the TV, you could see the pass was on. And it's just like, whether or not he has the quality to be able to execute that on his weaker foot. And like it was a perfect pass out to Xhaka over the top, 
sets him free. Um, and now we've got, you know, like a, I think it was like a four, four on three uh, against their back line. Xhaka, you know, almost messed up the pass to, to Trossard, controls it, clips it into the box. Very good He's, touch, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, gets it out of his feet, clipped ball to the back post. I don't know what Anthony Robertson was doing um, for that for that goal. Pretty bad defending for someone who I think has actually had, you know, quite a good season. But I don't think he was at the races. I think Saka demoralised him. Um, in that first half without actually being too exceptional. And and that's a goal. And I think that just comes from, you know, as we've said, just the the excellent, you know, press resistance and technical quality, I think, to be able to find that pass. Because, you know, if you ask Varane to do that pass with his left foot, I know that straight-legged guy ain't going to get to play <laughs> that, man. He ain't going to... He, he can't bend his knees like that, man. So, you know... Um, so, so, yeah, I think you, you, you really um, are spot on... Um, with, with a few things there. Sean, I'll let you come in on the, the parties in Chanko chat as well. Yeah, I, I just think for me, especially after watching Eduardo Camavinga tonight, I think just for me, right. press resistance. Sure. Sorry, let me just... Yeah. That guy is automatic, yeah? You uh, see yeah. when German Dan talks about operational speed, yeah? yeah. This it, Camavinga is disgustingly automatic, bruv. Like, everything that comes to him... First time he knows what he's gonna do every single time. That guy is crazy, crazy boy. Yeah, but yeah, I'll let you carry on. Nah, he's he's just a one. And for me, I just think, uh, considering the team we're turning into, destabilizers uh, are just key. You need people who can affect the game either via passing or via dribbling. Do you know what I mean? So, and you always see it. You know, they often talk about you know Arteta and the Laporza thing. You know, when Zinchenko will carry the ball to the middle of the pitch. If he doesn't see a passing option, he'll just carry the ball a bit more and he'll wait, he'll wait, he'll wait. He'll commit somebody, then he'll play the pass. Do you know what I mean? Both him and Party have that ability. And what that does, it just it takes people out of the game. It opens up space. It opens up different angles that weren't there before. So, And for me, I just, I just think that's key when you're a team that is looking to, pe uh, one, pen teams back, two, look to open up different avenues to, to thread stuff through. Um Man said, "Boy, I would love Camavinga, man." I mean, Wait, let me I, just Ash, let me just say pause to that first sentence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I would. We, we I were would, all big but, fans of him when we were linked. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. For me, that that would be like my dream left centre midfield signing. You could sign because that is someone who's a two-way midfielder who wins his jewels. Uh, good game both ways, but has that ability to affect the game in the final third, either through uh, dribbling, shooting as well. So, yeah, I, I I think it's great that we have that, and I'd love to have another player like that, man. Which is why I need my boy ESR to pattern his fitness and and come through as well, because yeah. and add that. So, but yeah, no, it's great, and and long may it continue, man. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I, I do want to talk about uh, a couple of a couple more individual performances, right? So, Aaron Ramsdale for me, um, he did have a couple of shaky moments in this game. Of his that guy's crazy, man. He's crazy. crazy, right? I know people saying he's got ADHD and all this stuff, right? But um, he does, bro. <laughs> but but crazy, bro. for me, I want to I want to shout him out because I think he has actually gone up a couple of levels in the past sort of month or so. You know, and I'm I'm definitely one that's quick to criticise him because, you know, it's one of them ones where I want you to make some saves. But I think in the past few games, um, Bournemouth um, and uh, I think it was Aston Villa as well, made a good save, tipping, tipping one onto the bar, where 
you know, I think he has begun to now start to develop into what it means to be a top team goalkeeper where you're not necessarily busy all the time um, at the moment, but when you are, you're able to do your job kind of thing. Um, and I think in the past month or so, he's definitely um, started to showcase this because I don't know, like you saw Edison yesterday um, in a Champions League. Brother, this guy should have got a red card, you know. Um, Edison for me is a massive, massive bozo, right? I don't think um, he really makes very many saves that he should. And even some of the saves that he does do, I think most keepers would, would save them for me. So, you know, at this present time, you know, I have to say, you know, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from from Ramsdale. Um, and I don't think he's as bad as Edison when it comes to these, you know, sort of bozo-ish moments. So I thought, you know, it's worth me, you know, shouting him out and hopefully I'm not jinxing him um, for the rest of the season, you know, because I think we're going to keep, we're going to carry on uh, needing him, you know, in these, in these last sort of 11 games. Um, and yeah, I think, I think uh, he deserves some, some praise for his form in the past, past few weeks. Right. Um, anything you guys want to add, add on that? I think yeah, I I think on the whole actually he, he has been good. Um I remember Spurs away in the second half he made quite a couple good, like really important saves there as well. So I do think he's starting to you know, with him I think it's a it's a concentration thing, you know. <laughs> we spoke about in some games like he's bored in it, he's not doing anything. So like he feels like he needs to impact the game, but it's more a case of I just need you to be alert when I need you to be alert. And I think the best example of that was that Bournemouth game. Do you know what I mean? So where it was a case of we were dominating, dominating that game, but they might have had one occasional breakaway. And he made a really, really good save in that first half where you just thought, oh, it's going to be 2-0. But he made a really, really good save there as well. And that's those are the sort of moments we need you to come up trumps for. Um, and we obviously know the distribution he has. Um, so that that's, you know, that's not an issue. That's always the plus one in his favour. So it's more a case of, you know... Um, giving the defence that confidence and, and coming up trumps in those key moments where we will need you because obviously the risks we take with the style of play we have occasionally, once or twice a game, people are going to be in on you 1v1. So um, it's it's you making sure you're worth your salt in those moments, man. So yeah, big him up, man. Yeah, so there are quite a few listeners' questions that touch on some of the other topics that I want to discuss, like Emil Smith-Rowe um, and you know, some of the Europa League stuff. So we have a game against Sporting tomorrow, right? So, you know, how would you guys approach this game? Because it is kind of in the balance, that first leg, without the away goals rule, um, the first leg being a draw basically means it was, you know, pretty much a useless game and it's a it's a one it's now a one tie game right um we're coming in drawing we're on an even kill um so how would you guys approach this approach this match boy um it's a, it's a good question um and it comes down to prioritization uh, i know what my personal prioritization would be um i wouldn't feel it was just squad players the 11 but i would probably you know Go the same route that Arteta went for the for the for the first um, tie, but I think Arteta's gonna um, gonna play more key players. I think I can you could see Udegaard potentially starting in this game, 
Um, I could see Partey starting in this game at home. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna go um, stronger this this um, this game as at home as a second leg, and he definitely wants to win this competition. So I think he will go stronger. Um, so it's just down to prioritization. It, it will actually show us quite a lot how much he's willing. You know, where's the balance with him? How much is he willing to put first team players into this competition? Considering that, who do we have Sunday? We have a game Sunday. Crystal Palace at um, home. Crystal Palace at home. So, yeah, we have a game Sunday. Palace are not good, but they're physical. Um, and they are they are dying for a win or dying for some points. So, it'd be interesting to see how he prioritizes it. And it would tell us a lot. You know, depending on the, on the outcome of that game, if we're going through, we can then more accurately, you know, predict how he will feel Europa League 11s going forwards. And if we're going out, you know, we're good. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying? It will, it will tell us a lot in terms of his prioritisation, um, which I'm intrigued to see, to be honest. See, I, mm. I think I think I slightly disagree, you know, um, in the sense that I think he does want to win. I do agree there. But I think he I think he will rotate and I think he will play a lot of, like, for example, Tierney and Tomiyasu. If, we, if Tierney wasn't sick, he would have started in the first leg, right? So he's back. I, expect him to, I, ex- I don't expect Sinchenko to start tomorrow. I think Tierney will start. And I think Tommy, so I think the fullbacks will change. Um, I think he'll give Kivior another run out again. Um, I'm not sure about Holding. I don't think Holding will start. So Turner will start. So that's already like four changes. I think Vieira will start because this is the competition Vieira always starts in. Um, so I expect Vieira to start. I don't think Party will start, you know, because I think Arteta acknowledges how key Party is. And I just need Party fit for all the Prem games. Um, obviously on the bench as an insurance just in case, but I think Jorginho was bought for this situation, essentially to rest party's legs, pause, um, for like, you know <laughs> to, 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 <laughs> Hey, listen, I, I caveated it, but yeah, for, for for these for these sorts of games, man. I think where it becomes interesting is the front three, because how I interesting to see how Arteta plays it with Jesus. Does he give Jesus a start or does he give him another cameo off the bench? Or does, does he want to build up Jesus to start on Sunday? Or is it better to give Jesus a start here? So I'm interested to see what he does there. And then you have Nelson, ESR, do they start? Um, so it's it's a tough one, man. I think at home you can afford to take a few more risks. Like, I still think he will... because. This is still going strong, right? You know, on Sunday, we spoke about how this was probably our strongest bench of the season. And I think going into the final stretch of the season, we need to give our these squad players minutes because they might be called upon in the Prem at some point. So what we don't want is, if you remember the situation last season where we had certain guys who didn't play for weeks and then when we asked them to call in at the business end of the season, these guys were cold and they didn't give us the performances we were hoping that they would give us. So I think he needs to be fair to some of these guys. And also, I just think to an extent, Arteta didn't rotate before, but maybe that's because he wasn't happy with the squad he had. But, you know, now he's more happy with the squad he has in terms of options. Right. So I think he should be more willing to rotate because of that. Mm. So I think we I think we might see more rotation and I think we should uh, to balance it out to give squad players who we might need down the stretch um, important minutes. Um, Cause I, I still think you can go strong. I still think you can prioritize this competition 
whilst going strong and still rotating. So, yeah. and again, if it's not going well, then you have these guys, the main guys on the bench in mm-hmm. case you need to adjust it. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting one, right? Because I can probably see Turner, Tomiyasu, Tierney, Jorginho, Xhaka, Nelson all starting. Yeah. And Vieira. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Vieira. I think Vieira. And, Vieira. Well. and so then you're you have a question of who plays uh, on one of the wing positions. I know Saka started the last game. And Martinelli started the last game up top actually. But now you have Trossard back fit. Does Trossard share the game with Jesus? Maybe a half each. And then you know maybe ESR shares the game with you know Martinelli on the left. You know that kind of thing. And then you've got. <clears throat> The centre backs is a funny one because I would have said Kivior has to has to play, but after his first leg performance, um, where he was he was kind of shook, to be honest. Um, you wonder whether or not he gets thrown back in. Um, Rob Holding can't play. I don't think he can yeah, play. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you're being serious about trying to win this game, Rob Holding can't play, right? So, um, so I'm looking at it and saying, you know, maybe he goes with. The, the first choice centre backs, or again Saliba and Kivior, again you know. Um, but I, I, I do think that if you rotate a little bit, the team will probably still be very strong, as you've said, Sean. Right. So if you've got a front three of Martinelli, Trossard, Nelson, midfield of Xhaka, Jorginho, Vieira, Tierney, Kivior, Saliba, Tomiyasu, Turner in goal, I'm not complaining. I'm not it's still, a, it's still a team that's good enough, good enough to win that game. Uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, it's it's just generally holding. I'm not trying to see, but um, any combination up front, you know, we have options now. So um, I'd be interested to see. You know, ESR hasn't had a start yet, and he's been on the bench what probably for like the last five games now. So mm. is it a case of can we get him for 60 minutes from the start for a game now? Um, you know, Nelson, I think might get another start. You know, this is it's probably a competition for him to get starts. Um, so I don't know. It it will be interesting, like I said, because we don't know what he's going to do with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then you got yeah, then you got a bench of you know potentially Jesus, ESR slash Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, Party, you know, Zinchenko, Zinchenko you know, that's strong. and these Very these strong. are guys that you know even if they only give get twenty minutes, they're fresh to go. Yeah, you know, it's a home game. Uh, against Sporting, they're not, you know, necessarily flying anywhere. Um, well, not, they're not flying anywhere, and they're straight back fresh for for the Sunday game, um, which is another home game, right? So, you know, I, I, I hope he goes that route. Um, mm. But you know, I can't lie, Atta yeah. is a sicko, so <laughs> I would not be surprised. If I'm just being honest. I know this guy; he, he, like, he, he wants to win everything in every single game. And obviously, that team gives us a good chance of winning. But if you put in, you know, slight, you know, a little Odegaard in there, sprinkling a little bit of party in there, that gives us a higher chance of winning. So, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm a bit, not, I wouldn't say worried is probably not the right word, but I'm a bit apprehensive in, in terms of, you know, I'm not expecting a full squad eleven, um, squad player eleven. I'm kind of thinking he's going to throw some key players in there, um, to give him a higher chance of. Seeing this game up um, out and winning this game early, and then he'd probably take them out. Um, who those players are, I think Saka, for example, shouldn't start. He played the last game. Uh, I think he shouldn't be starting, you know, in terms of just 
I agree. Know, sequencing, he shouldn't be starting. Martinelli probably shouldn't be starting as well. Um, and then you have that issue of it's Trusser. I mean, Trusser can play ninety minutes, but after he had that injury scare, do you want to put throw him in there for this long? How long can Jesus play? How long can ESR play? And um, Nelson should be playing ninety minutes probably for this game. To be honest, um, that should be a game where he is looking to get ninety minutes. Um, but yeah, let's see. Same as Fabio Rowe, he should be getting ninety minutes this game. I should be looking to get ninety minutes this game. But mm. let's see. I just, I just know that Altair is a sicko and he wants to win. Um, and 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 I think probably on on that point, one thing that I do think okay. hasn't worked well in our favour. Whenever Arteta has done mass rotation this season, the performance, especially in the Europa, hasn't been good. And I think that's probably a factor of you know you're changing seven eight players, you're going to lose a lot of cohesion, right? So, um, so it remains to be seen how how that works because what happens when you throw in a lot of players who are cold like you know they're all trying to get it cracking at the same time in it do you know what i mean so it, it that's why sometimes i do think to myself am i being a bit harsh judging all of these guys when they're you know when they're not all playing with the first team you know you've chucked in like eight squad players together and you're expecting them to you know get it cracking and put in elite performances sometimes that's that's not always the case so yeah it's going to be an interesting one i think there's there's a lot of decisions to be made but but for me I think Arteta needs to be better at using squad players, especially as next season, we're going to have four competitions. We're going to be in Champions League. And I just, you can't alienate people. You know, you have to bring everyone along for the ride, man. And that means making subtle changes every now and then, man. So, yeah, I'm... I'm and I think, I think for him, it's, this, is, this is not probably... This is a learning... This is still his first job. This yeah. is a learning curve for him. And he's obviously come from a place where there was only, you know, players that he was actively trusting that group of players has increased now it's you know many players in the, in the squad that he trusts and relies on now but how do you then manage their minutes accordingly how do you you know manage the expectations with, with that comes with those minutes accordingly and when do you you know sequence players into you know and then in, in three games i need some yasu Betty to lock up salah how do you mm. sequence them into that performance because bringing them from you know azkaban and then playing against Salah, that ain't going to work. You know, we've seen him come in in that City game. He was evidently nervous because he hasn't played that, that, that much before. And Arteta even said in the press, so like, that's the, and it seems like Arteta has watched any player that we sign, I think Arteta watches every single one of their games, or at least highlights of every single one of their games. Because he said, in all the games I've seen Tom Yesu play ever, he's never made that pass. So, um, you know, and that's where you have to look at circumstances. You know, circumstances affect performance you know bringing him in at the cold is going to affect his performance it's going to make him make certain decisions that he usually doesn't do if he's fresh if he's match fit he ain't doing that you know he's clearing that or he's touching and passing the back kind of thing so that's where it's another learning curve i'd set up and i'm sure you i mean the guy is you know is, is one of a kind you know in terms of young managers coming through and actually you know achieving and getting the team to a level where they're not performing well they're performing exceptionally well um, so that's not that's not a common feat that happens in world football. So uh, I'm sure you'll figure this one out as well. Um, but it'll just be interesting to see how and when it's really going to click. And I hope you know it's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent, man, one hundred percent. So yeah, let's get let's get into the listeners' questions because there are um, a few of them that could end up being you know some interesting topics, right? So there seems to be. This is from Bakeface Nate. He says there seems to be continued discourse over ESR and his future role at the club. Given most of the panel see him as a left wing slash eight, is this still realistic given that we are linked to various CMs and how 
mouse and have mouse to feed further forward. And the second part, does he make your first eleven next season? So yeah, yeah. There's there's two parts to that question. So I think people need to just take a step back, like here. Like if you remember, do you remember like what 12, 18 months ago, people were convinced that Arteta hated Martinelli, right? People were literally can remember like he wasn't playing, like he was barely getting any minutes. People were like, why does Arteta hate Martinelli? Like this, that, and the other. You got to remember, ESR has for the last four years been playing with like growing pains, like around his groin in it. Do you know what I mean? He's had those issues there, and now he's had to have surgery to clear up that issue, and now he's barely played that much in the last year do you know what i mean so it's going to take a long while to build that back up and then also i think you know bearing in mind last week against sporting where did he come on he came on as a right center mid year i feel like they are trying to sequence him into becoming more of a deeper player now um that requires a higher level of fitness it requires a bigger base level of fitness it requires different attributes that maybe you know he probably needs a more of the arteta refinement package around so that might take a bit more time do you know what i mean so i wouldn't just rush to conclusions. I think sometimes as fans, we're quick to rush to conclusions around, oh my God, like, do you know what I mean? Oh, like, is is, is it over for him? Like, just just wait and see, let it let, let it marinate, man. Like, so I, I think Arteta's got something cooking for that. And secondly, on does he make the, the first 11? Again, I think we need to move away, especially looking next season when we're going to be trying to compete on all fronts. It shouldn't be a case of first 11 or, you know, we should look at it, you know, as City do. You know, City have got what? A group of 18 that can play, anyone can play at any one time. So, mm. you know, when KDB has been on the bench for like four out of the last five league games, no one's saying that KDB is not a starter for City. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's just a case of he's had his games on the bench. And I would love to do that every now and then for Saka, leave Saka on the bench for a couple of games. Not because Saka is not a starter, but just because we have other players that we trust we can rotate and we can still achieve a high level of performance. So it shouldn't, I, I really think probably as a fan base, we've never been used to having multiple good players at once. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So sometimes we're not, we're, we're really not used to that. We're used to rinsing out that first 11, <laughs> squeezing mm. out every bit of juice from it Plus, to the point where we're like, sorry, just I'll just finish this and then you come in. Yeah. To the point where like, when the squad players have to come in now, we're like, oh, this squad player is shit. Well, I mean, <laughs> one, that brother hasn't played in time. And two, you've killed the guy in the first 11 so much that this, this, is, this is where we're at now. So yeah, we need to, as a fan base, get used to, you know, rotating. And thirdly, before you, sorry, come in, Dan, respect my boy, please. This brother had 10 goals in half a season last year before the injury started, bro. This guy is an outrageous talent. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, once we can get him fit and his body right, pause, I know my boy can deliver. I know my boy can deliver. So me, my stocks are at an all-time high, bro. I'm not selling them. Hey, this is and, the time and, to buy. This trust me. And, and the revolution... <laughs> the ESR revolution will be televised. Click this in a year time. We'll be coming back to it. Yeah, for real. And I think as well, it's just like, people need to understand that there is a level of expectation and hierarchy from the players who haven't been injured, right? So, you know, I get I get it that last season, ESR was firmly first team, right? Like he was, him and Martinelli, well, it's him for the first part of the season until Martinelli came and him and Martinelli, they were sharing games, etc. cetera. Um, Smith Rowe had, you know, caught COVID, you know, couple of injuries here and there like at the end of last season but yeah if you spend four or five months out um and the club brings guys in like trossard 
They bring guys in like Fabio Vieira who have been available, training, playing with the first team, playing games. When you come back, you're going to be behind these guys, you know? Like, I don't think it would be fair on someone like Fabio Vieira, who also missed the first preseason, but has now come back since, um, <clears throat> been playing games, been, you know, getting some goals and assists, etc. cetera, um, gone to the warm weather training or whatever during the World Cup, done, you know, sort of the one-to-one -one sessions with the manager, to then come and then say, right, you're in my plans, etc. And then Arteta to just say, right, Smith Rose back. Now, Vieira, you're now back to you know sort of chilling. You know, we're gonna we're gonna prioritize ESR's minutes over your minutes, that kind of thing. Or you sign, you bring someone in like Trossard, who is playing now on the left wing, um, and then you're saying, right, no, now you're demoted to third choice behind Smith Rowe. Because then it's all, all, almost like, what's the point of me even bringing you guys in? Kind of thing, and I think it was quite pointed. Um, Arteta's comments um, today. Let me see if I can get them up. Um, where he he almost like flipped it and said it's now on Emil Smith Rowe to show that um, he has the um, I guess professionalism um, to really show that he how much he wants it. Right. So he said he needs he needs to prove how much he wants to win and how much he's going to contribute to this team to be better and to win. He's going to have to show that to get into the team. And I think, you know, Arteta has actually been always been, you know, when he's talked about Smith Rowe and Saka, he's always challenging them in the public. He's never sort of, you know, oh, yeah, these guys are so, so good. Da, 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 da. And I think that's because how much he rates these men. Do you get what I mean? So it's like when he's talk. When it, I remember before when ESI had that first half a season, saved our season kind of thing, and then we were having this debate in the group chat, and like, oh, Arteta said something like, "Oh, I need my number tens to be scoring ten to fifteen goals," kind of thing, and it was almost like, "Yeah, it's a challenge because I know this guy can do it." And then lo and behold, boom! Next season, first time, first time I'm starting in the team, he gets 10, 10 non penalty goals in the league. You know what I mean? I think 11 all comps. Yeah, so now when he's saying this stuff to ESR, I think it's another challenge. He's saying, look, we've got good players everywhere. I need you to show me your ability. Because one thing that he always says when he does say these things as well is we know how much quality this guy has and now he needs to show it. So for me, um, I do think he is still in the manager's plans. I, I, and I think, you know, he is a versatile player, etc. But... Um, I think he has the ability to function in multiple roles within this team and he has the ability to, to really come through and be a key performer. The season's not over. He got an assist the other day, you know, header for, for Partey's goal against Bournemouth. And I think he can still contribute um, in a big way this season. You know, there's um, some 15 games left if we get to the final of the Europa League. And I think Emerson Smith Rowe will, will have, have some part to play in those games as well, man. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the thing is, football is not linear, you know. So, um, for, for for you, for us to predict who's going to be first team, us, we have a rough idea, but you know, things can change fast, things can change quickly. Um, also with the ESR, I think the, the position thing is very interesting because no one knows, apart from Atta, and maybe you know, ESR having had conversations with him, no one knows about Atta really plans with him long term. Yes, we've seen. That um that map that Edu had where he basically had ESR in midfield, but it was on the right side. You know, is he planning now on the left side? These things can change. Is he now looking at him um to play as as a left winger? ESR is tall, man. He's got the frame to 
potentially play false nine. We've seen Trosser, this small guy. You know, ESR and Trosser have some similarities. Both technical players, both can play off each foot. Yeah, ESR's better than them physically. He's faster, he's stronger. Is there maybe the potential for they at some point he can play false nine? All variables that we don't know and, you know, are yet to be determined. One thing we do know, however, is that, you know, as Sean said, ESR really is an outrageous talent. So if he is if he's fit, there will be there will be a place for him in this team. Um where exactly we don't know. And that can always change, you know. Um but there will be a place in this team. This this guy is just too good. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. So let's now look. So Mr. K Gianfi, um he's asked us a few questions actually. So he says, How far do you think we'll go in the Champions League next season? Damn, man. You, 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 man. Let's focus on this season, man. Man, don't want to let the accolades best of the first, bro. Let, 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 <laughs> let it marinate, man. I, I, yeah, I, I just want to wait first. If, if I'm being honest, based on what I've seen this season, I feel like we could get to a quarterfinal next season think, um, yeah. calmly. But obviously, footballs, as Dan said, is very fluid. Things change very quickly. So obviously, people are going to sign players in the summer. People will change management. Things change very, very quickly. So, but so we can all we can only focus on ourselves. The only thing I'm hoping is that either through winning the league or winning Europa, we end up in pot one, so that you know strengthens our chances of firstly getting out of whatever Champions League group we're in next season. So I think that's imperative. Um, as a as a starters so i would say yeah if we can be in pot one then then a quarterfinals and then we never know what could happen from there mm. yeah i think you always got to aim to to at least get to the quarterfinals and then i think after that it's a bit of a lottery um so yeah i agree with you i agree with you um he's also asked what are your top five goals of the emirates era quality importance and spectacle are the three criteria Top five goals, Emma's era. Tough one. I know my favourites. I know my favourites. So I think um, the Arshavin one is up there against Barcelona. That was a that was a great goal. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Celebrated that big that's time. Definitely, that's definitely up there in terms of like you know significance and celebration. Mm. And Giroud, the Scorpion thing has got to be. That, that was the Emma, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a difference. That was a wild that was goal. A crazy, crazy, crazy goal. Crazy goal. Wow. You see me, I'm just an aesthetics merchant, so I'll just pick my favourites, boy. I can't lie, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be... Uh, pick, well, I'll, I'll pick, Yeah. See, you guys are picking the important ones, and that's probably that's probably right. We, we can pick both, innit? We can pick mm. both. Yeah. Can, I loved... I loved, if you remember, Nasri's goal against Porto at home. Oh, that yeah. Was that cold. was cold. That goal was brazy. Was um... And as we had quite a few, if you remember the couple he scored against Fulham, just Fulham. aesthetically, yeah. the way he like he took them, like he glided through the yeah. Uh, who else? Henri, I mean, Henri against Leeds for me. Henri against Leeds, the comeback. Yeah, you can't forget that. Mm. Um, oh my, you, you're forgetting Jack Wilshire against Norwich, team goal. Oh yeah, sick goal. You could also include that season, Rosicky against Sunderland. Yeah. Yeah, the, Which one the, was that? the, the it was another it was team similar goal. Similar to the yes, the similar chip, to Wilshire ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a sick team goal. Um, loads involved in the move. You had loads of the ones like that, man. I like Ramsey against Ramsey against Liverpool was a good one. I was I was going to mention that one. That yeah. was that a sick nice. goal. 
I was going to mention had a very nice one against it was a City Man City. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a sick volley. I was going to mention. Do you remember Özil against Napoli? That was his oh, first his goal first for us. Goal, as well. Yeah, yeah first I was going to mention for that goal. as well. That was yeah, let me tell you this now. Yeah, Reese Nelson against Bournemouth is in my yeah. top five. That's in my top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like. Was um sorry, another one I remember was when we when we blamed Chelsea. Because do you know that goal that Uzo goal for me in the hindsight became better because oh, the, the way he spun Kante kicked it into the ground. Yeah, only yeah. afterwards people realised that this is his actual technique that he kicks into the ground to go over the keeper. Yeah. So well, and also he next. showed how fast he was because the way he dusted Kante roughly. Hey, Kante yeah, was coughing blood that game, man. <laughs> so you know there, there's 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 been too many because I'm sure there's a couple of Van Persie blam blammers. There was yeah, there was that was one. No, there was that one in the North London derby, Fabregas against Tottenham, where he just picked the ball up from kickoff. Oh <laughs> just yeah, just ran, yeah. Just ran through. Van did you say San, did you say yes. Sanchez against Man City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Van Persie against I... five two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Van Persie against Everton. Everton, that volley. Yeah. Van Persie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was, there's, there's a lot, man. Because even there's in a... that Man City game, the, the volley, yeah, I loved Wilshere's goal in that, where he sat Clichy oh, down yeah. and then chipped oh, yeah, him his yeah, right chipped foot. Him. That was a cold. No. Hey. It, was, it wasn't near the season. It was literally last game of the season where Wilshere won goal of the season. It was like a volley against West yeah, Brom. Yeah, volley against West Brom. Yeah, yeah. He just Roofed blamed it. it. Roofed it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so yeah, we didn't pick a top five, but we just went Sorry, for a there's, list, there's yeah, too so, many, man. Yeah, <laughs> hope, hope that answered your question, boy. Um, Tommy Ajay Wani says only one team hasn't won the league with the amount of points we have or more. Would it now be a disappointment at this stage? Arsenal don't win the league, and my bigger question is when does a team change their pre-season goals mid-season? So I mean, I think they probably changed that. A long time ago, <laughs> probably in yeah. terms of what their goal was, and yeah, we have to be honest. From here, it's twenty-seven games now. You know, eleven games left. Like it's very much in our hands to win the title, so it would be disappointing. Um, the slight worry is, I just checked City the other day. I was like, they're now nine games unbeaten, boy. So you know that run that we spoke about <laughs> that hasn't looked like happening. It looks like all of a sudden it started to happen, boy. So yeah, that's uh, you know, and they've got an easier run in than us, which which does, which is a bit annoying. But it is what it is, man. Like we just got to give it the best go we can, man. And hopefully, hopefully we can get across the the positive for me. I always said is that. The run in April, I need Jesus and party available. When we're going to Anfield, when we're going to St James's Park, and when we're going to the Etihad, those two and the two centre backs, they have to be fit. That spine, I need Gabriel Saliba, party Jesus. Them not need to be available. And I think and if Saka. they are, and obviously Antaka as well. And but yeah, and if so, we can leave, you know, with something in the, in those April games, man. Mm. Even if like it's just to avoid defeat in those games. Actually. I'm going to scrap that. St. James's Park, I want to win at. But, you know, Anfield, I know it can get... Uh, even though... Uh, I always I always say to people, even though Liverpool aren't in the best moment, Anfield can still get very sticky at any point. <laughs> so, mm. you, it's one of them ones like... And, and yet he had, obviously... Uh, I need all other. W's, man. Yeah, for real. <laughs> well, you might say, what, 11 wins, yeah? Um, wait. I'm, 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 I, want, I want some of that, man. I want some of that, like... Brother, I know it's... You know, if we win all 11 games, we'll finish on 99 points. Let me get some of that, man. Let me get some of that, man. I'm not I'm not paying limits on this team, man. My boys are hungry, man. Pause. Um, so. 
Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, uh, to answer the question, yeah, I think it would be disappointment, but, you know, I just think you're always going to be disappointed when you're you're, you're very close to, to achieving something, right? So I don't think it's, you know, a failure or anything like that, uh, which I think, you know, might be the question that you're asking. But, but yeah, no, it's, it'll be disappointing. But, it's definitely and I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just be yeah, this, this, yeah. This, is, this is an important, you know, um, distinction to make. It is not a failure. It, it would be disappointing. But, you know, and I think since since we've been in five, ten games, since since that since that point, I've been saying, so what? If we if we in, in the end come up short, pause. So fucking what? Hold that, man. Hold it. <laughs> Honestly, just hold and it, get, man. Go again. Then we go again. It? That's it. That's it, man. That, man. That's it. Hold that these, shit, these, man. these are the conversations I want to be in, man. I'm not running from the ground. I'm not scared. You know, um, you have to, we have to, I'll we have be on to the front line, win, lose, or draw, man. Win, lose, or draw, man. That's it. We have to, we have to, we have to go for it, man. But um, I'm trying to sit a penny at that parade, bro. So I need, I, bro, I, I, need I can't lie to you, man. I'm trying to take work off the next day, bro. I'm trying to, thing, bro, like. just, man, man said a day. I'm trying to take the week, bro. I already, <laughs> hey, that might clip me up, man. I can't lie. I've already done my um trophy parade drip shopping. <laughs> Then what you got them? You got them ironed on the bed, yeah? Already, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, in light of so this from Khalil HT3 says, in light of sex reappearance at Colney and recent interviews about his time at Arsenal, what are your views on him and his legacy? Love him, dislike him, or don't care? Me personally, captain going on strike to lead is something you can't rub out. Yeah, I, I, I think what he did was wild. And I totally get those people who, who haven't forgiven him. Um, and compounded by the fact, obviously, he ended up at Chelsea. Well, obviously, I know he wanted to come back to Arsenal first and Wenger said no. But it's probably from the fact Wenger was hurt by probably how Fabregas chose to leave, in it. Do you know what I mean? And he struggled to get over that. And um, obviously, at the time they wanted to come back, there was Ozil, there was Ramsey, Wilshire, Kazula, there was Bear Man in it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm over it now, but I, I, I'm not. I can get why people are still vexed with him, you know, and I can get why people don't want it, want anything to do with him anymore. And I get why there's an argument of like, why should we give him any handouts? Do you know what I mean? Bearing in mind how you try to leave, so mm. it's different. Yeah. It's different. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm indifferent now. I don't. I don't. I don't hate him. And also, I think. Uh, the the Ask blog interview. I it did mellow me a lot after that when I listened to that one. That time I was like, ah, cool. You're, you're right. We're not boys, boys anymore, but you're right. Yeah, don't have it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question because usually I'll just, you know, I'll just say, you know, it doesn't matter. Get on with it. Kind of thing. Um, I think the Fabius case is special. Um, just, you know, the whole context, him being the captain, him, you know, recently having signed that contract, you know, the antics that he put up um and 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 me personally i say you know it's, 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 it's been so many years ago now you know move on from it and i think what fabregas always has done or, or tried to do at least even though arsenal fans have strong resistance is try to associate and you know attach himself to arsenal um and speak about arsenal in a positive light so he has he has done that which is the opposite of what van persie has done van persie mm-hmm. has tried to attach himself to Man- manchester united instead so that's definitely somewhere where you'd like 
that 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 can't run, you know, you're off mutual. But yeah, that can't run, you know, he's just attached himself too strongly to Manchester United. I think Fabregas has gone the other way, which you know, you would you would you would say that that shows that he has, you know, real care for the club. But I think where where we have to be fair in these discussions is, you know, um and I and I say this being a Ozil stand, is that people will be, you know, are still on Ozil and this is someone that didn't leave. Um people are still very much on Alexis Sanchez where I think again he did ask to leave and he he left um he left to Manchester United. But you know, I think both 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 their conduct was way more professional. People are still on Koscielny. His conduct was way more professional. You know, the club played him through injuries and you know, so I think these three, if I look at those three and then compare that to Fabregas and like I look at them and I their crimes are like small. Um mm. so if we're if we're and this is where Arsenal fans need to, you know, you know, be, you know, in um what do you what do you call it, aligned. If, if we are forgiving Fabregas, which I'm you know, I'm for it, you know, I don't have to hold a grudge all this time and he's not made negative comments about the club consistently or anything that kind. But you know, you need to also then be laying off other players. You know, I, I just don't get um how even Aubameyang, you know, I don't get how, you know, someone or players that have are evidently have evidently been world class players as at Arsenal and have given a lot to the club, have achieved a, a lot at the club, have um, you know, held the club down when they were there. Um, you know, how can you then completely be against them and you know run banter on them to the degree that you do you know i run bans on anyone but you know i think it's quite malicious and as you know especially a bamian one as well more recently than even alexis or his or shani you know this guy got asked to leave yeah he had some disciplinary stuff he, he had it all his career that he was coming late and paying the fines <laughs> that happened at dortmund that happened at San Etienne. it's nothing new um I, t- I made the decision with him which is also fine um, but you, as a fan base, you know you don't have to be malicious um, to this guy, and um, so I feel like if you if you I'm happy to forgive Fabregas, but you guys also should be mindful of you know forgiving other players. I say forgiving because I don't really think they've done major crimes. Mm. But the same way, them. yeah. And I think you know it's it's one of them ones where I feel like you know when players sort of betrayed Wenger kind of thing that it makes me dislike them even more because I feel like you know Wenger was always looking for the best for you know a lot of these guys careers kind of thing and i think that the work the worst thing about the whole fabregas thing is that he's, he literally signed like a, what it's like a seven-year deal or something like that you know he was todd bowley before todd bowley right um signed a seven-year deal because he had basically said to wenger and given him these promises that um you know i'm here to stay long-term future i'm not going to go back to barcelona etc and then literally the next summer you're throwing your toys out of pram etc to leave um and I think that's a big reason why, you know, Wenger didn't take him back. Uh, and he said that they, I remember that Arsenal interview, like he said they didn't really talk very much um, after he left, you know, and I think Wenger really saw him as a son. So, you know, that's that's one of them ones where it's like, yeah, if 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 Arsene is holding this grudge, I think it's for good reason. Um, and I do think as a fan, the way that a player conducts themselves after they leave is incredibly important, right? Like someone like Van Persie, I, I don't think there's any way back for him. Someone like Ashley Cole, I don't think there's any way back for, for him where, you know, you you have spent a long time at a club that really made you and you basically have sold your soul, you know, to to go to the other side. Like the way that Van Persie comes out in the media talking about United and stuff like that, you'd think that, you know, it was Sir Alex Ferguson that is out here getting him off, you know, um, the charges that he had when he was at final. Do you know what I mean? You'd think 
um, that it was Sir Alex that, that stood by him um, when, um, you know, he was injured almost every single season, you know. And so, you know, I think guys like that, they just don't, they don't really, you know, it just, it just runs me up the wrong way. Like, it shows for me, like, big character flaws in the way that you can really turn your back on the people that 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 gave you your break kind of thing. Because um, I'm Percy, I, I don't think he says really anything good or didn't say anything good about the about the club after he left. You know, he was saying all this stuff about, oh, how I went to this environment. And, you know, I knew it was like a winning mentality. It's like, cool, fine. Leave if you want to go to United. I don't understand why you need to come and now start bad-mouthing Arsenal to sort of justify your move across. You know, you got your one Premier League title. So, so chill on that. Do you get what I mean? Keep Arsenal's name out of your mouth. Keep Wenger's name out of your mouth, etc. Um, and And I think Fabregas has being quite respectful of the club. I think it's clear that the club is quite dear to his heart, etc. And that comes across. So, you know, I'm a bit indifferent. I still think that, you know, if I see him on road or something like that, I'm going to, you know, look at him a bit sideways kind of thing. But it's not one of them ones where it's on site. Where it's not, where it's on site. If I see Van... No, I'm joking, yeah? If I see Van Persie... If I see Van Persie, I'm not even stopping, man. You just keep it stepping, bro. You know the ones? It's like... Every day of the week, bro. You keep it stepping. You know, you can't even... You Like, you know those guys where... There's certain footballers where if I see them on the road, you know, I have to get a pick. I have to chat to them. I have to do something. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I see Kanu out there, you know, you think I can't... You think I'm not going to stop him? You know, on 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 road and say how you doing, uncle. Do you know what I mean? But Van Persie, no, he's not getting my attention. Yeah, do you know? I'm, do you know? I'm, I'm, I was going to say, I'm start moving like how Spurs fans do with Sol Campbell, bro. If I see Van Persie, bro, I'm gonna just chat like that. Hey, Spurs fans, Spurs fans go crazy on that one. Still, they hate it, bro. Yeah, you know, there, there's definitely one ex footballer I'd definitely stop if I see him on road. That that man's name is Gary Neville. If he ever see ever. Yeah, yeah. There's no way I'm letting this guy. Hey, Gary Neville, bro. He better pray we don't win the league, man, because the way he's going to get crashed on him this season, boy. I'm ready, man. He better pray. Um, Yes, we have a good question here from Lukey Tyler. He says, do you think players like Trusty Patino, Maitland-Niles and our other low knees will have a place in Arteta squad next season or are they likely to get replaced by incoming transfers? Trusty, no. AZ Maitland-Niles, no. Uh, Patino, I don't, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. I what's think gonna Patino, Patino, and Balogun, are, I think, are the only lone knees at the moment that have any sort of potential Arsenal future for me. Um, I think the rest. I'd agree with that. The rest, I don't think, are in the plans. Yeah, um, the, the others are getting sold. I think moved on. And I think with someone like Patino, he's still what he's nineteen. Um, might still be a little bit early for him to come in and have a major role, I think, considering it's not going to be like Europa League minutes or anything like that for him. So I can see him going on. If he signs another contract, because I think he's got two years left, right? If he signs another contract, I can see him going on loan. Um, maybe, hopefully, a Premier League loan or something like that. Maybe um, maybe he'll do a loan like Balogun. Like Balogun did a championship loan and then did a loan in the top five leagues. Top maybe five leagues, yeah. yeah. I, would, I, was, I, was, I was even going to say, maybe someone like... Um... Burnley, if they get promoted with company, because there are more. I think you know this loan was to acclimatise him to men's football, which is good. But next loan, if he's to go out on loan again, I want to get him to somewhere where you know we could see his his actual work, bro. Yeah, like his proper play. I can't lie to you, yeah, Patino. The highlights I've seen of him, yeah, it's like 
Bro, my man's just, he's just in the wars. Do you know what bro, I mean? that's like, what I'm saying. Because Blackpool don't play football, bro. I just see man slide tackling every two seconds. I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm just like, I want to see man. Oh, he's, he's playing Normandy away, bro. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> 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 Battle of Hastings, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous. But but yeah, I, I would like to see him play a bit more 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 with the ball on the floor. Because he got two assists the other day um, from two corners. You know, I was hoping I could see some jinky... Maybe some through balls, but no, it's not. It, it wasn't really happening. Um, yeah, so then, yeah, the rest of them, I think, yeah, they're going to be sold. Like, trusty Maitland-Niles. There's a few others, like, knocking about the lower divisions um, as well. So, yeah, uh, Sauce, Sauce HGN, he says, why is ETH blaming Arsenal for Casemiro suffering with the most severe form of head loss? Listen, tell Casabingo to keep his self on the pitch, bro. Casamigos, because, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Casamigos, <laughs> Casabingo, whatever you want to call him. Because when Saliba came back after the World Cup and he had to go five, six games without a yellow card, my man managed to do it with no issue, bro. Bro, he still to this day hasn't picked up his fifth yellow, you know? You see? You see? And that is from it's December. Control aggression. Yeah. Certain man can't, 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 can't control their feelings, can't control their actions. And certain ones are 30, 30 years old and can't do it. It's crazy, man. But you know, they're, yeah. they're also the and same guys that got like 60, 60% pass accuracy, man. Right, exactly. And he wouldn't have to be lunging in on these tackles if he wasn't chasing his first touch every game. So, right. you know, tell him to get the ball under control first and foremost. What are you saying? Get your tech levels up, yeah? Um, boy. Right. So, Yonka Abs, last question. He says, can you give me reasons why we'll perform better at Anfield other than their shit? Uh, and, we're and good like, <laughs> yeah no we're, we're good it's, it's just I think and I said this to Lewis the other day I think it's more just what will concern me is the fact that we haven't been here in 20 years you know we're literally in the final straight now how do we handle the nerves how do we handle the pressure um, I think I can't remember who made the point was that you know obviously the fact that we failed in the top four race last year that's what's fueled us a lot this season Um do you think it's enough to sustain us over the last 10, 11 games? Hopefully. But I think the nerves and the pressure is is probably my slight concern. Um, yeah. So, but, but fingers crossed, man. What was the score at Anfield? Not last season, the season before last, with no fans. Uh, I don't know, bro. I've not checked Anfield for like five seasons. It just feels no, like we've been one. <laughs> was it like 3 1? Yeah, I think it was like three one or something like that. I man. think we Probably. lost and we won at home. Did, did we win at home or was it? I remember like yeah, with no fans, we beat them two nil. Yeah, yeah, Nelson Lacazette. Yeah, yeah. Because my my thing is this, right? Like, uh, un, under Arteta, I don't want to say we've done better at Anfield, but obviously we had the COVID season uh, um, where there wasn't fans last season. Um. We got it crashed on us, right? But it was Nuno Tavares and Sambi playing that game, and they were, you know, majorly at fault for you know the collapse. Um, <clears throat> and I think if you look at our away record this season, you know, I don't think we are as phased, right, going to these grounds anymore. That's why you know what that's our ninth clean sheet on the weekend away from home, um, and I think. Really overall, top ten clean sheets overall. <laughs> yeah, right. So you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it, and I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, 
if not now, when kind of thing. You know, I think I think the team is a different team for me. I think this team is built is is actually built different. Um, so you know, I, I, it's it's as Sean has said, it's a case of whether or not you can handle the pressure. And I think they've been showing so far this season they can handle the pressure. Etihad game in the in the cup, we, we rotated heavily. I think a lot of those guys played really well. Again, Zambi, the less the less the said uh, that is said is the better. You know, Old Trafford. Again, Sambi, you know, the less that is said, the better, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy is killing me, but the Sungu, right? But you know, I look at it, Spurs is a ground we hadn't won since 2014, right? We went there, and that was actually light, 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 light work for us this season, right? Stanford Bridge, again, light, 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 light work because you know, who played in those two games, Zinchenko and Partey. You know, first half at Etihad, Zinchenko, uh, it wasn't even Zinchenko, it was Tierney and Partey. And I think, you know, we they, they, they didn't look like troubling us. So, you know, I'm not saying that, yeah, we're going to go to Anfield, we're going to batter them. But I think this season, if our guys are fit and available, we are much better equipped to play there, you know, um, and 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 potentially get a result. So, you know, um, yeah, let's let's see. Let's see what we do, man. I'm not I'm not shook. You know, I think previously going to Anfield, seen, even seeing what Danny Sabao's been saying in the media, you know, when he saw the pressure, you know, of the of this English game, he was, lo- was looking at the calendar when he when he wants to go back because he got blammed out of his socks that game. His eyes were wide, you know. <laughs> his eyes were really wide. He said, what, is this Is this the Prem, you know? Is this what the Prem's on? So, you know, I think, yeah, let's, let's see, man. Let's see. I think, you know, we got something for Klopp, man. I want to see him... Standing there like a meerkat on the sidelines, and let's see, let's see. Anyways, guys, um, yeah, long one today. Uh, thank you for joining me, Dan, Sean. Um, we'll catch you tomorrow with, uh, or maybe Friday with a post match for the sporting game. We'll look to preview Crystal Palace on the Sunday as well. Um, otherwise, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything. And if you've been watching it live with us, thanks for staying up late. You know, we've got 14 men watching. Um, so shout out you. Um, otherwise, we'll catch you after sporting. Hopefully, we're through to the next round of the Europa League as well. So peace. Could have had that fight, but I'm gonna walk on site. Man, I have to grab that man. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a good oh, energy. Man, you're gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do that. It's a crazy man. That's foul. That's the response of Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.